Welcome. You are listening to a sermon presented at the First Church of Christ in Elkins, West Virginia. This message is given by pastor and teacher Jason Brandon. Jason will be selecting passages from the Word of God and showing us how to apply God's Word in our lives today. He will also be showing us why we need Jesus. How can faith, God, and the Bible have more influence in your daily life? What is God saying to us today? For this and more, stay tuned. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, today, we're just going to look at a, at a few verses. Where do you see yourself in 15 years? Where do you see this church in 15 years? My uh, vice principal in my high school had on his door that Maybe corny statement, but I think it's very powerful. If you don't know where you're going, you'll probably end up somewhere else. It may be corny, but first time I read that, I just that was one of those statements that you just percolates and, and, and you think on it, and the more you think on it, for me at least, the kind of the deeper it got. Where are we going? Do we have a plan? Because if we don't have a plan, we can't complain about where we're going to be in 15 years. Where are we going at the First Church of Christ, what is our future? What is your future within the church? All right, I'm going to be honest. This was a tough sermon. I intended to preach this one last week, and after hours of working on it, I said, I can't get this done by Sunday. I'll, I'll swap in a different sermon because I'm just not making any progress on this. I need to work through this partly because this is a sermon today that's difficult to preach without feeling like I'm attacking people. And I don't want that. I don't want to attack anybody. But sometimes you hit these hard subjects and they hit, and then you really want to phrase things right because you don't want to offend people. You want people to come back to church. So I, let me be clear. I don't want to offend anybody. But if your toes get stepped on, that, that, that may be okay. But this is, this is the classic example of if I'm pointing at you, I've got at least three fingers pointing back at me. This one hurts, I think, and was hard to, hard to write because I'm really... I feel really convicted by this one myself. Um, This is the chance to look into my doubts and fears and, and let you see. I know where I want the church to be in 15 years, and I don't, not even this one, I mean the church. But looking at the trajectory of churches in the U.S. over the last 15 years, I'm concerned about where the church is going for the next 15 years or, and longer. And I wonder if we can, we can do it. When I was in high school, I made okay grades. I, I think you guys know me by enough, enough to know that this won't surprise you. I was that kid who was... Who, my, my parents were very academic and taught me to read before I ever went off to kindergarten. So school came kind of... Assignments came easy if I did them. I was that kid that never needed to really do much homework and did fine. Um, and, and I know that that's unfair and, and the world is not a just place and the, the people should have to do unequal work, and I wasn't. I did fine on, on grades and tests and, and, and did good until four weeks before the end of my senior year when I discovered that senioritis was not just a joking phrase but was real. Four, four weeks before the end of school, and I quit doing homework entirely. Just quit. 
could not, could not work up the motivation to do a single assignment. Now, because I had been A's, the final four weeks of not doing any homework dropped the grades to B's. But at some point in my head, I got this idea, I'm going to graduate anyway. There's no way that, not, that, that missing this assignment is going to derail my graduation. And I coasted for four weeks and then probably had the worst grades I'd had throughout high school my final semester, final quarter. But I didn't care because I was graduating. And, 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 and if you had told me, <laughs> even one week before that kicked in, that's going to happen to you, I wouldn't have believed you. But just something psychologically kicked in. The end was in sight. And I didn't care anymore. I'm grateful to say that didn't happen in college. It did happen with a job in Urbana. I was a locksmith in Urbana, Illinois, and liked, liked my job, liked the people that I worked with and worked for and, and did that for five years. Uh, and and uh, the company that I worked with, because I liked them, when I knew that I was moving from Urbana, Illinois, to Springfield, Illinois, as soon as I found out, I put in notice, three months' notice. I didn't make the three months. There were, there were things at work that I liked. Because I liked my job, there were things that if things didn't go well, if the boss said a crossword to me or something, I'd just bite it and, and just bite down on it and internalize it and not worry about it. I wanted to keep my job. The minute that it dawned on me, I'm not keeping this job anyway, as soon as that happened, I, my attitude changed. It did. And, I, and, and so when one day the boss kind of argued with me, for the first time ever, I kind of argued back. And I didn't make it through the three months. And, and I wish I had. I, both with the senioritis and with the quitting the, uh, the locksmith job in Urbana, I, I look back with regret and wish that both of those situations I had finished strong to the end. But my attitude was lousy. Um, I, I, got, I got too caught up in this won't change. I'm leaving anyway. What, what's it matter? Um, I, <laughs> I have learned, it's taken me a while, I have learned to struggle past that attitude in preaching. Not that I'm leaving the church, but, but when vacation is coming up, yeah, it's really easy for your mind to kind of wander to that stack of comic books you've let pile up by the reading chair. Um, and, and I have learned to have to work through that and not let the weeks leading up to a vacation slow me down and 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 where i'm less uh less effective less less interested in in ministry but i don't think that my problem is my inability to focus my problem is a bad attitude that develops that's selfish and and ignores the present for the eventual see here's the source and I don't think it's me. Here's the source of our problem. The church can easily fall into senioritis. Um, not all of us, hopefully, but I fear that some of us will. Um, we're, we're just tired enough. And, and we know that the end is coming. We've, we've, we're Christians, and we know that we have a good ending with our Lord and Savior in heaven forever that it's very easy to fall into this, eh, what's it matter? I'm saved anyway. I don't need to put any effort into this. Um, I, we, we, get, we get the idea, like I did with my boss in Urbana, that, 
we hit a point where we say, I don't have to put up with this anymore. And we can do that in our spiritual life, and, it's, and it can be very dangerous. Like high school seniors, we, we become people that see that we're about to graduate. We're going to go to heaven one day. And, and so why bother putting in extra effort? If we've got the prize and it's been guaranteed, why try hard? Uh, too many Christians quit acting like Christians. And they don't care because they're saved. This is, this is the insidious danger of this once saved, always saved theology that has percolated through so many churches, which I don't see as biblical. Salvation is promised, provided I follow Christ. When I quit following Christ, there's no promise. You know, that, that is, you know, th- there are people in the Bible, Paul's companion Demas, who travels with him for a while, and then Paul says, we've lost him. He loved the world too much. Um, Revelation says, blessed are you if your name is not erased from the Lamb's book of life. So let me be clear on this. I don't, I don't believe in once saved, always saved. <laughs> Otherwise, you couldn't have your name in the book of life and then get it erased. And so we have to be careful that we don't fall into this mindset where we quit trying to be Christians. But there is a balancing act because God is faithful. And I don't want to also say that your faith is like teetering on the edge of a cliff and you're about to fall into the abyss and lose your salvation, wake up one day and say, where did it go? I don't want to say that. God is faithful. And he knows that we're not perfect and that our following him is always imperfect. And he forgives our imperfections. Um, and, and so it's not a... I want to make sure, and I'll say this more than once today probably, we're not talking saved by works that you can somehow earn your salvation. But we're also not talking about you show up once a week, once a month, once a year, once a decade, listen to a sermon and pat yourself on the back and say, that's all I need to do. Because that's not what Paul is talking about in his letters to the Corinthians. Um, and so how do I react to this? I can get, when I, when, I, when I see the disinterest in the church, I can get frustrated. I can get discouraged. I can say, eh, whatever, and I can be apathetic and not care. But I want a fourth option. I, I don't want to feel uh, I, I don't want to feel these other emotions, um, but often we do look around and see that that the church is disinterested and we don't know what to do about it. I don't want to be negative, and I definitely don't want to put anybody on a guilt trip today as a goal. I'll be honest as I write this, I feel some guilt. That's okay. Maybe God wants me to feel a little guilty sometimes. Sometimes a little guilt is okay. Guilt trips for the purpose of guilt trips I don't think work. I don't think they, they help anybody grow. But if in working on a message it starts to convict me, conviction is a good thing. I do want a happy church, a fun church. I want a fun church. But I question the future of our church if we've lost our passion. We are in a race. And Paul says, run it like a race. Run it for speed. Don't don't just mosey along. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. 
Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave, so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. One thing Paul says, we have to try our hardest. Are we running, or are we just out for a casual stroll? Are we trying our hardest, or just moseying down the road? Put in, we, you all know exactly, there are times when you have to go somewhere, and the guy in front of you, or the, or the woman in front of you, is out on her Sunday stroll, may not even be on Sunday, she's in her car, she's going 15 miles an hour, the speed limit's 30, she's looking at the trees, and you think, come on, I've got somewhere to be. Are we out for a stroll in our faith? Are we recipients of the gospel, or are we participants in the gospel? Are we an audience, or are we active? It's easy to lose our passion. You know, I don't even think you have to try. Uh, people attend church, but then there's always less people who are involved in the church. I think that there's a difference. Um, my, when I first moved to Urbana, Illinois in 1998... I started going with Pamela to her church. Um, and I was new to town, and I was excited. It was a big church, hundreds, hundreds of people. Um, and after church, after a couple of weeks, I went up to the preacher and said, look, I've just graduated Bible college. I'm new to town. Um, I, I'm really looking for a church to plug into and get, and get involved. I've been coming on Sunday morning, Sunday school, and Sunday morning church. What else can I do? And I kid you not, his response was, well... That's kind of it in our church. There's really not anything else for you to to do. Um, They didn't have Sunday night church. They didn't have a midweek Bible study to get involved in. It was just Sunday morning. That was it. And so I quit going. I found a church that was small and and was closer to me and that I could get involved in and that I could teach Sunday school at and I could... I, 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 I could volunteer my services on, on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights and get, get very active. And, and being in that church, I, pro- I probably grew in that church more than I grew at Bible college. Maybe not in, in academia, but in service and, and, and in being a part of the church. And it was so healthy for me. Uh, I, I know that some of you live some distance from church to get here. Rural West Virginia, there are people that drive a half hour and more just just to come to church on a Sunday morning here, uh, and, I re- and I respect that. I also know that this is a very busy world that we live in. There's a lot going on, and to come to church is a big sacrifice on time, increasingly a big sacrifice on your wallet with gas being the price that it is, and I get that. I do. Um, what, when I was a kid, we just went to church. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. That was never, it was, it was never a question because this is what you did as a kid. Some of you remember these days. Um, being, a, being a kid in New York, uh, in the New York school system, I wanted to play soccer. All my friends played soccer. Soccer had Sunday games. And so my parents just said, you can't play soccer. You don't ever get to choose between the church and soccer because the church is important and matters and has eternal repercussions in your life, and soccer is just a game. And I appreciate that my parents raised me on those priorities. 
We had a lady in my previous church. She came to me one day and she said, I don't understand why my kids, church isn't important to them. And it's probably one of the only times that I worked up the courage to say, you only come twice a year. What priority did you think it was going to be for them? You've showed them that 50 out of 52 Sundays, it doesn't matter. Why are you surprised that it doesn't matter on the remaining two Sundays? I'm delighted to say two of her three kids became down the road very active in the church. One became a song leader, and uh, the other one uh, became very active and brought his kids to church all the time. And I was delighted that two out of her three kids became so much more involved than she did. And they, and, and they, and they, and they were the ones that said, we didn't come to church for so long because mom made it very clear it wasn't important. It wasn't a big deal. And, and then they said, but we hit a point when we realized that mom was wrong and that the church matters and that we do this for our spiritual benefit. And, and they are in such a better place now uh, because of that. One out of four kids raised in the church stays in the church. Horrifying statistics. But I wonder if they hear that from us. I wonder if we show them that church matters. Now, let me also be clear. Um, just because you raise your kids right doesn't mean they're also going to turn out the way that you want them to. My, I, I, I've, I've explained how my parents raised me in the church. So, Jason, all, all four of you kids, you guys go to church every Sunday. No, not all four. Yeah, my parents did their best, but that doesn't always. But it would have been even worse if they hadn't shown us the priority of the church. Uh, and, and the importance of coming to church. And I'm still hopeful that my brother uh, in particular will one day, it will, it, it will dawn on him that was the better way to live, the way, that this one, the way that these two friends of mine learned that their mom wasn't right. I'm still hopeful that my brother hits that point and, and gets to the point in his life where he sees that, that it is something that is missing, that it makes life better. Better not because the church is anything magical, but because God is amazing. And he chooses to work through his church. And because God chooses to work through the church, the bride of Christ, not having the bride of Christ in your life is shutting out a way that God can work in your life, and God blesses us. Um, Do we have a faith and a church that only works on Christmas and Easter? Do we have a faith and a church that's weakened only, and the other six days are ours? Or, or when we're, maybe when we're retired, um, church in, in Illinois, we had area men's meetings where the guys from the churches would get together, different churches would take turns hosting it one, once a month on like a Tuesday evening or something. We would get together and we'd have these, these meetings in the church. A hundred guys would show up from all over southern Illinois for these meetings. And out of a hundred guys, there were five that were under 65, <laughs> They were usually preachers. Um, is it, it, does church become something that we'll get around to one day when we retire? That's not healthy. Uh, when I remember when churches were full. Some of you remember when this church was full. And, and if everybody were to show up on the, on the same Sunday who's a member here, I bet this church would be pretty close to full. But we get busy. And, I, and, I, and again, on the one hand, I don't want to say, oh gosh, you know, if you, I, let me be very clear. If, if you miss a Sunday, you're not a bad person. Let me, vacations, and, and there are reasons, you know, it's certainly during the COVID pandemic, we wanted to make, make sure we were very, very uh, uh, aware of that, that health is important. It's why we put the sermons online. 
I don't want to put people on a guilt trip, but I do want us to be convicted that the church is important and that God is working through his church and that it's not just a tack on to our lives. When did we become so busy, too busy for church? When did we kick into this? It's okay. I'm a senior. I'm going to graduate soon. I don't, I don't need to put in any more effort. We just want to slide in the door. We don't want to make the kingdom of heaven a priority. We're already members. I absolutely believe that. When Jesus says, some of you will not taste death before you see the kingdom of God, I absolutely believe that he's talking about the church. We're members of the kingdom of God. Because we're members, do we say that we're done? What will the church look like in 50 years, 15 years? Are we trying? Are we running? Are we trying hard? Or are we just out for a Sunday stroll? Now, again, as I said, I want to emphasize, we cannot earn salvation. I am not saying, and we'll go into this more, I am not saying, um, you know, if you're not serving in a soup kitchen and you're not teaching Sunday school, you're going to hell. Heaven's sakes, I'm not saying that. I do want to say, we're scrambling for Sunday school teachers. We don't have enough right now. Um, there are ministries in the church that we would fill if we had the people for this, for these ministries. Um, there, there's room to do more than attend on Sunday morning. And, and if you wonder how you can serve, I, I would love to talk with you about that. Uh, my following Christ is not sitting in a pew. That's attendance. Following Christ is meant to be active. Are we actively trying our hardest, not because our hardest earns salvation, but he is worthy of our efforts. Are we trying hard? Are we training ourselves? We have to train ourselves. Laziness is a problem of the church. Uh, I, we, don't, we don't know what we, we don't put the effort in. We don't know what we used to. When, when I was a kid in youth group, we certainly learned the books of the Bible, and we memorized passages of Scripture, not just John 3.16. And, sure, and, I, and I hear from all over the country when I talk with other preachers and that, that that's, a, that's a common lament that the church used to put an emphasis on Bible reading and, and even memorization. And we put effort into, into reading the Bible. Um, and, that, and in our busy internet day, when you can look up anything, I mean, in the same way that, that it used to be that you learned how to do um, uh, uh, math and people would count back change, now the cash register digitally counts it back for you and and if they entered the key in wrong and if you give somebody 20 bucks and, and they entered it in wrong and you're not getting the right change back and you try to address that they have no idea what to do that if they typed it in wrong they're 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 lost right they the computer tells them what the math is and nobody knows how to do very few people know how to do math anymore in the young generation i had someone i went to a place not that long ago that that absolutely it was like the total was like I don't know, $19.05, and I gave them a 20 and a nickel, and the guy says, I don't need that nickel. I said, please take it. <laughs> he said, but you don't need it. It's more than that. No, please take it. Just type it in. And, and the look on his face when I got an even dollar back, how did you do that? And we do that with the Bible. I have, a, I have an app on my phone I, care, I, get the, I get to carry the Bible with whatever translation I want, and it's so neat, and I can type it in. But in doing this, we've kind of lost track of what the order of the books of the Bible is, but there's a danger in that. The order of the books of the Bible matters. <laughs> They're not random. There is a story going on, and it is the redemptive arc of humanity. 
And when we can't put the Bible verses kind of in their order, we do lose the context. We do lose sight of the overall story that God is, is telling us. We used to know these things. We used to go to we used to fill churches and VBS was two weeks long and Sunday morning and Sunday night and midweek Bible study and, and, and these thing, these days we do everything but go to church. We're just too busy. And I and, and that's the whole world. I'm not trying to put any it is a busy society and, and the world is pulling on us. And it's hard to discipline yourself, to train yourself, to shut out the things that won't last and focus on the things that matter. I am very much preaching to myself here. And you're here on a Sunday morning, so clearly you're not a Christmas Easter only Christian, and I'm grateful that you're here today. Um, First Church of Christ uh, uh, has, has a lot of people that, that say that they're members of the church, but we would love to see them more. Um, let me tell you, I, here's why I like Sunday school. I love Sunday school. If you're not part of our Sunday school program, oh, you're missing out. We, there are... Two Bible college degrees, a, a lifetime of being, thir- third generation preacher, a lifetime of being, I am, there is so much about the Bible I don't know. I love my Sunday school class. James, um, my, my boys teach me so much in class as we talk through things and they come up with brilliant insights and iron sharpens iron even at, even at that age. And James or Aaron or, or Logan or, they, they will dominate back there. They, they will say things and I think, I've never seen it that way. You're on to something. And I love that, that I am still learning. I think Sunday school is a fa- And because, unlike a sermon, where I don't want you to argue with me in the middle of the sermon, in Sunday school we get the chance to have that back and forth talk. It's the chance when I get to grow and learn. And I, w- and I, and I think it's a wonderful opportunity. I'm so glad that we have Sunday school. Uh, let's let's be clear. I don't want to confuse busyness for church growth, for spiritual growth. And I certainly don't want to confuse someone else's busyness for my growth. What do I mean by that? My previous church did the 12 days of Christmas. They decided that they would do 12 events leading up to Christmas, which historically isn't the 12 days of Christmas. December 25th is historically the first day. We treated it like the last. Whatever. One year I said, this is a lot of busyness. This is 12 days, 12 evenings in a row we're doing something at the church. Is this the best use of our time? We're keeping people very busy. I don't know that they're getting closer to Christ through that. Oh, a lot of argument. Had some people, really, this is what we do. So I really paid attention that next year and saw that the people that were arguing the most, we need to do this, came on average to four of those 12 days of Christmas. There was a night, we had a movie night at the church that we had scheduled, and I sat alone in a pew watching a movie. Are we more spiritual because we put more stuff on the preacher? And I'm not saying you guys do this to me. They did. (laughs) I hope if they listen to this, maybe they'll, I don't know what they'll think. Are we more busy? Are, Are we a great church if we make the elders and the Sunday school teachers and the preacher busy, but we're not? That doesn't make us virtuous. The goal isn't busyness. The goal isn't activities. If there are activities that can minister to people and help us to grow, they have their value. You can also get people so busy that they're no longer growing. They're just miserably spread thin. I, I know I've shared the example of my buddy Ken who's in ministry. He preached at a church in, in uh, Marion, Illinois. And it was a church of 450 people. Their Sunday night church ran 25. And they hit a point where 
they made the decision, we're going to cancel Sunday night. It's clearly not meeting people's needs. They had 50 complaints. 50, 50 people complained that for, for a service they met 20. Because, because it is human nature. If my church is super, I don't want to be super active in my church, but I look good if the church that I'm a member of is super active. But you can't coast in on other people's activities or faith. It doesn't work that way. Being part of a busy church, and you're not ever a part of it, doesn't make you better. We don't want to get caught up in the idea that somehow busyness makes us spiritual. Um, we, don't, we can't live, we can't be healthy, we can't live vicariously through others for faith. In our church life, there is a temptation to run with the pack to stay with the crowd and put in the least amount of effort. You guys know how birds fly in formation. They do that because it's less effort. You've seen the convoys of truckers where the one in the front and then that wind tunnel that creates behind it that they save trucks after the first one, save on gas mileage. We can get into that mindset as Christians. Um, Marathon runners don't stay with the pack if they want to win. They don't run with the crowd. They run ahead. They run for the prize. The very thing Paul is talking about. They work hard. Olympic athletes train for four years, minimally, and give up everything. Television and junk food and nights off, reading comic books. I know that's just me. But uh, eight hours of sleep. They're, They're always into it because they're running for the prize they want to win. Because if you want to win in the Olympics... You have to strive for excellence. And that's what Paul says. Run for the prize. Assume that there's only one prize, one crown, Paul says, and be the one that's going to get that. That takes training and dis- spiritual training, spiritual discipline, spiritual conditioning, self-control, exercise, spiritual exercise. Do we want to settle for mediocrity? So many Christians, so many churches are okay with mediocrity, but that doesn't line up with what Paul is telling us to do. I don't want to be mediocre. I don't want our church to be mediocre. I want us to be the best. Not because we, our being the best, saves people, but because then God can work through us that much more. Are we on the same page? Is that too much effort? Is that not where everybody wants to go? Here's where I really feel very convicted. We slowed down during the pandemic. I slowed down. During the pandemic, I think a lot of us did. I got out of a lot of good habits. My started working from home more instead of the office. I think I regret that. I've, I've got to retrain myself to do the office hours and not work from home. Why? Because I don't have a study at home. No, it's just that my study at home also has my comic books, my science fiction books, and and distractions that I don't have in my office. I don't. I I got out of some some healthy habits, some spiritual habits. And now it's the effort of trying to put those back in place. And I, and, and I do feel convicted. Um, it didn't bounce back like I hoped it would. And we talked about that Tuesday night among the elders, that there were some habits I've picked up that, and I appreciate their honesty with me, that there, there's room for, for growth. And they weren't negative, but they're right. There's room for growth. And, and, and I felt convicted. And, and maybe you feel convicted too. And that's, that's okay. I, again, not because guilt trips help us, but, but when the Spirit convicts us, this is a good thing. Um, I want to run for the prize not and, and train myself and discipline myself and not just coast. But the good news is when we do this, we will triumph over adversity. 
That's the great news. There is a treasure in store for us, a crown that is eternal, that will last. Our job is to stay focused on it, to make sure that it matters to us to run for the prize. The the goal isn't to get people in a building. The goal isn't perfect attendance. That's not the prize. That's legalism. That's not our prize. You can have perfect attendance and be spiritually bankrupt. That's not... Perfect attendance is not a guarantee of heaven. But Bible reading and prayer and giving to the offering and church attendance, while they may seem like stuff, they're they're things that have a purpose. There are people out there that could know the Bible backwards and forwards and still still not end up with God for eternity because they haven't internalized it. But if you don't read it, you're not going to know it. Prayer and Bible reading, giving to the offering plate, church attendance, they do matter because they help us find what matters. And they are tools that God has given us to draw closer to him. And they matter and they help. They're not just, they're not just they use these phrases these days, virtue signaling. They're not virtue signaling. It's not just showing off something that isn't there. They really help. When you read your Bible, you will draw closer to God. When you pray, you will draw closer to God. They make a difference. And if they're not healthy now in your life, if you don't know where you're going, you're probably going to end up somewhere else. What are we focused on? If we have Christ, we have what we need. We have all that we need. And if we don't have Christ, everything else doesn't matter. Christ alone matters. Run for the prize. Uh, Jesus says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things, all these other things will be added to you. Prioritize that. Our hymn of invitation today is hymn number 489. Good, good closing hymn for this sermon. I, I had been told early in my ministry that the, that, that the struggle of the preachers convinced 90% of the people to do what they should already be doing. Read your Bible, go to church, pray, um, give to the offering. Giving to the offering, as we've said every Sunday, is a spiritual discipline. I, that used to discourage me. It doesn't, it doesn't discourage me because I think I relate more that these are struggles sometimes. Uh, and so I want to encourage, you know, pointing a finger out and three back at me, I want to encourage us that these are not just spinning our wheels. These are not just meaningless activities. They matter. Uh, I think that, let me, <laughs> let me be very clear, First Church of Christ is a great church. I don't want this to sound negative. This, there are churches that probably need this maybe even more than we do, but we need it. It's a wonderful church. I think it's a healthy church for now, but we've got a plan for the future. Uh, preacher's job, I get to fret for the future. That's part of why you hired me, I think, um, to look long-term. Without energy and passion, things wind down. They don't power up. Are we, are we powering up? I love this church. It's been around for over 100 years. I want to see 100 years and more. Are we continuing in the spirit that is set before us in the word of God? Let's get in the race. Let's run for the prize individually, not just as a church. Let's run the race. If you haven't accepted Christ as your Savior, let's talk after church. Thank you for listening. You can contact us at our website, firstchurchofchristelkins.com, where you can also find out more. Have a nice week.